This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So I had one of my boys text me. He's like, you're such a Met hater. You're, you are pouring it on them, chastising them, and ex- excoriating them, doing it with such a smile on your face. And I guess if I'm being honest, maybe there is some truth to that just because I just got sick of all the noise about what they were going to do or what they were going to become. It was like such a premature coronation of the Mets and spending all this money to be four games under 500. It's funny. It's a joke and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for, for a franchise that has won playoff win in the last seven years. You cannot look at this and say it is anything short of pathetic. So I, I call it how I see it. We started the show. Ty Butler going until 6 o'clock. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. 800-919-3776. That's the phone line. We started the show talking about the NBA Finals, and I wondered if this was what the people who who desired parity, if this is satiating that hunger. Because you've got the Nuggets, the number one seed in the West, but almost no one believed in them, or I should say just – going by what we saw publicly. I'm sure Nuggets fans believed in them, and there there were some people who did. But devoid of any playoff success previously, it it was hard to say that the Nuggets were the clear-cut favorites in a conference that had the Suns with Durant and Booker, that had the Lakers with LeBron and AD playing the best basketball of the season uh, that got them into the playoffs. Uh, the reigning defending champions with Steph, Clay, and and Draymond Green. It was hard to carve out a path for the Nuggets getting through the Western Conference because we've never seen them do it, and here they are. So because of that, you have them representing the West. You've got Miami, an eighth seed, going through the number one seeded Bucks, beating them in five games, uh, aided by a Giannis injury, but still beat them in five games. They beat the Knicks in six games, and they beat the Celtics in seven games, and now you've got parity you know, at its highest form, an eighth seed versus a Nuggets team that not too many people believed in. So my question was, is this making you happy that you have some new blood, some fresh blood? What we also have is the best player in basketball on an all-time postseason run where he's averaging 30-13 and a hair under 10 assists. So he is also close it's averaging a triple-double for the playoffs. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Game 5, you can hear on our airwaves. That is an 8.30 tip-off. Dan Grosser will be leading you into coverage of that game. He leads everyone, Jokic does, in points, in rebounds, and assists. And he's going to become just the 11th player in NBA history to have two regular season MVPs and a finals MVP. I don't think I'm going on a limb or that much of a limb in saying this series is over. I think it is. It's just that... From what we've seen, Denver's the better team. They're more talented. They're deeper. Miami has the better coach, but Denver has the best player and the best duo. So I think this series ends tomorrow, and then we'll see what happens with like the because this is what we do at the end of uh, playoff runs for great players. How high does Jokic jump the all-time NBA hierarchy? Is he top 30, top 25, top 20? Where does he rank amongst all-time centers? Because that's really what it was, uh, what's happening, I should say. He is putting that punctuation on just an incredible three-year run that saw him win MVP, MVP, and now NBA Championship Finals MVP. That is a hell of a resume for Nikola Jokic. I've got a question out there. Does does playoff Jimmy's legacy take a hit if they, he loses yet another finals? 
think it was odd that that's not being discussed. Oh, that's right. We only do that with LeBron. Finals losses only matter when it's LeBron James. Got it. Uh, because, of course, his legacy shouldn't take a hit for getting an eighth seed to the NBA Finals and, and, and going through the, the gauntlet that he did. He lost in the Finals in 2020. That Heat team, that, that was an impressive feat. Going to lose in the finals here. This Heat team, another impressive feat. So, of course, his legacy doesn't take a hit. But as a standard we use just to talk about LeBron. On baseball, we did a lot on the Mets and how bad they've been. Also talked about the Yankees as well and big game tonight just to try to take the series. They didn't get to the football uh, at all just because, you know, the phone calls were, you know, were lit today. But it just feels crazy to me that there are some people in the media who have absolutely lost their minds when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. They've gone so far in the other direction about I get having trepidation about the Jets because it's an organization that seems to be allergic to success, right? It, they can't sustain any consistent level of winning to, to to save their lives. They haven't won a Super Bowl. No one in the studio that we have here today was alive for it. My parents weren't alive for it, so it's almost like it didn't happen. But we've gone so far in the direction of – trying to treat Aaron Rodgers, the upgrade from Zach Wilson, as if it's the Yankees going from Kyle Higashioka to Jose Trevino. Because Rodgers, in that bad season he had last year, only threw for 26 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So Bill Barnwell now has the Jets finishing last in the AFC East. And it's annoyed me, not because I think that they should be the favorites, I think that Buffalo should be the favorites because this is a team that has shown itself to be the best in this division. They've got Josh da- Josh Allen. They've got Stephon Diggs. They've got weapons. They've got Sean McDermott, who's an excellent head coach. I don't know that, it, that they should be overwhelming favorites because I'd argue they haven't accomplished much compared to where we hold them and, and to the standard we hold them and how high we hold them in the media. But if you want to say they're the favorites, fine. If you want to say Miami could be a better team than the Jets, my retort to that would be, is Tua going to play the entirety of next season? Because if he does, then you see that team is rife with weapons, with Waddle and Hill and and um, added Ramsey to the defense. They're talking about adding Dalvin Cook to their running attack. So, yes, there's a conversation to be had there. The Patriots, I'm sorry, Mac Jones is their quarterback, and I know they, the Jets haven't beaten them since 2015. That That is a streak they have to overcome. The the the, uh, the 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 big bad guy that is Bill Belichick, the Jets have not been able to figure him out. But to say they're going to finish last, here was Bill Barnwell on DPH on Rothenberg when asked about why he has the Jets finishing last, uh, even behind the Patriots. Certainly, they're, they're going to be good on defense. Both teams will be good on defense. I think we can agree there. Patriots have a better offensive line than the Jets. Jets have better receivers, especially Garrett Wilson, than the Patriots do. Reese Hall obviously plays a big role. We're understanding that the bad quarterback situation. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to be better than Mac Jones. But remember, just like the Jets had a, I don't want to be mean, incompetent person playing quarterback, look at what the Patriots had in their coaching staff last year. They didn't have a functional offense. They didn't have a functional offense to 
they had two guys who weren't coaching offense, coaching that side of the football. And of course, I think Aaron Rodgers is a bigger upgrade on Zach Wilson than Bill O'Brien is on Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. But I also think that's a really, really significant upgrade. So to me, I, I kind of put them in the same tier. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw, I, I'm saying the Jets are going to be in last place. The Patriots are nine and eight. The Jets are eight and nine. Maybe that's because I have a, you know, a lot of faith in Bill Belichick as a coach as opposed to Robert Sala, who I think is a good coach, but does not exactly have Bill Belichick's resume. But I do think that they're both going to make strides on offense this year. And I have more faith in the Patriots defense staying what they are because they've been more consistent over the past few years than I do the Jets defense. Oh, man. So here's him explaining why he has the Jets finishing last in the AFC. They're going to be a terrible football team. They're going to win three games or something. But this is a very tough division. I think everyone agrees. The AFC East is a division where, you know, there's four good football teams, four teams you wouldn't be shocked to see make it to the postseason. This is a team that went 2-9 and nine last year when they played the opposing team's primary quarterback. When they played backups, when they played third stringers, they were 5-1. and one. Defense was good against both. I'm not saying defense is bad, but defense was the healthiest in football last season. And I think there is the, everything that went right for us last year is going to go right again this upcoming season. And the stuff that went wrong is going to get fixed because we added this player or that player. And when that happens, red flag goes off in my head because I know I'm certainly wrong sometimes. Everyone's wrong sometimes. That is usually a sign that people are overconfident at the very least. My problem is, I, look, I get it, and, and fan bases do this, and that's kind of what happens when you are, and, and this is every sport, right, where you're analyzing what to expect for the next season, and, and it's coming off of a, a year you felt was disappointing, and you're saying all of our strengths will continue to be our strengths, and our weaknesses will have been addressed and become strengths. So every fan base deals with that. But at some point, we have to acknowledge that even if you don't think this is prime Aaron Rodgers, him being one of the best quarterbacks in football still provides the Jets that a Jet team that started 7-4, and four, despite having the worst quarterback play in all, of, in all of football, him being injected into this locker room is so significant. It's massive. So to say that they're going to go from being in last place in this division last year to still finishing last, even though they added one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, is just so mind-boggling to me. And there are certain things, like we can look at the numbers, and he struggled throwing outside the numbers, and he, he struggled on the deep ball, and his turnovers were up. I'd say, look, the Packers, we forget, were 3-1 to start the season. He broke his hand, he broke his finger in that loss in London to the Giants, and he wasn't the same quarterback the rest of the way. They went on that five-game winning streak that had them in contention for a playoff spot against the Lions, and then they sucked in that game and they missed the playoffs. But I'm sorry, adding a guy with four MVPs who's missed one game in the last five seasons and every year has his team in contention simply because they employ him, adding him to this Jet roster where even if the defense still isn't top five the way they were last year and they, they, they suffer a little bit of a setback, adding him does wonders. And one thing that you can't quantify is the spirit your locker room receives and how elevated that becomes once he walks in. And you've heard guys raving about Aaron Rodgers and how his attention to detail and, and there's a, a level of cachet that he brings that legitimizes all the optimism that the, even the players should have. Because every time you go out there, every time you take the field, 
regardless of where the game is being played, regardless of who you're going up against, you absolutely feel like you have a chance to win the game because he's your quarterback. More on this when we get back. 800-919-3776. Bill Barnwell has me fired up. So we're going to talk some Jets to close the show. Going until 6 o'clock right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Man, I'm so excited to play New England. I believe the first time they play them is going to be on September 24th. That is the second home game of the season, week three, one o'clock game. Just because losing on an 84-yard punt return for a touchdown where your defense was tremendous for the entirety of the game, that's one of the most heartbreaking losses I can remember. I just, I, I was so devastated. I didn't want to talk to anyone. It, it totally, football, why you love it and why you hate it, it sets the tone for your week. Because a, a, a big win, when, when the Jets are 7-4, and four, I'm walking around feeling great about everything. E- even the problems become minuscule. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. The Jets are 7-4. and four. But then you have those excruciating losses, like that one I mentioned against the, the Pats, the game you lost against Buffalo that you could have won, uh, the, the, the Seattle game where you know that, that was the biggest game of the season. You were still in playoff contention. It, 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 it's just so demoralizing. I'm excited to play New England because you haven't beaten them since 2015. At some point, you got to turn this around. They've dominated you, and Bill Belichick, it tries to run up the score, and I'm listening to Patriot fans on, on television who are laughing at the thought of the Jets being a good team because they're the Jets, and they're the Jets. I, I, I just can't wait to play New England next year. I, I'm looking forward to it. And I was listening to Larry Hardesty driving in. He came on uh, before me, and he talked about how tough the schedule is, and I, I thought he made a, a fascinating point that with the gauntlet, uh, these great teams you're playing – because, you know, the the stars aren't playing in the preseason. You look at the first part of the year as like an extension of the preseason. You'd rather play these great teams early because they're not hitting that, you know, peak efficacy. They're still figuring things out. They're not rolling. They're not hot. Whereas you get to the second part of the year and everything's clicking and they're making that playoff push and the, the best teams are making a push for, you know, the the, the, the one seed. So you rather play them early, but you you look on the surface. You got Buffalo as your home opener. Then you go to Dallas, home for New England, a team again you haven't beaten in now eight years. Then you're home in Week Four against the defending champion, the Kansas City. You go to Denver. Uh, Sean Payton's now the head coach, so you're expecting them. Even if they're not a great team, they're going to be much better than they were last year. Then you're home for the defending NFC champion Eagles, a team you've actually haven't beaten. In franchise history, the only team the Jets have never beaten, the Eagles. And you come after a bye, and you play the Giants, the Chargers, you go to Vegas, and then you go to Buffalo, home for Miami. That's the prime video game. And then the season, it kind of gets easier from then. But those first 11 games, yeah, Buffalo made the playoffs. Dallas made the playoffs. You got Kansas City made the playoffs. That's 3-4. The the Eagles made the playoffs. That's 4. The Giants made the playoffs. The Chargers made the playoffs. So you've got now six teams, Buffalo and then Miami. So you've got the only teams you play in the first 12 of teams that didn't make the playoffs 
are Vegas, Denver, and New England. Of the first 12 weeks, you're playing three teams that didn't make the playoffs. So it's going to be tough. But for the first time in the longest, you feel encouraged because you have a quarterback who legitimately gives you the chance to win every single week. And you have to go back a long time the last time you, you felt that confident. It, because even 2015, when the Jets went 10-6 and six and almost made the playoffs, it's not like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you, you felt great about having him going up against any all, all-time great point. Oh, Brady's on the other side? We're good. We got Ryan Fitzpatrick. That never happened. Even when you're going to back-to-back AFC championship games against, uh, you know, with Mark Sanchez. It was the defense is great. Mark Sanchez, don't make mistakes. Let's use our rushing attack to help us win. This is the first time in, you know, as long as I can remember, every single week, you don't have to play a perfect game. Even if your defense isn't elite, even if you commit a few turnovers, even if you make some mistakes on offense, that can cost you. At the end of the day, I have Aaron Rodgers, so I've got a shot. 800-919-3776. Head to the boogie down, where the Yankees will be playing in about an hour and a half to talk to Buddha. What up, Buddha? What's going on, baby bro? TB, the franchise. Yo, the what it... with the most. <laughs> <laughs> What's good, my guy? What's good? What's going on? Listen, I want to call and talk some gesture. Listen, I'm not, we're not going to get emotional. Uh-oh. We're gonna we're gonna look at this fashion. No, okay. no, no. Listen. First of all, saying uh, Aaron Rodgers is an upgrade over over silver spoons is like saying water is wet. No, but okay? Buddha, Buddha, so, Buddha, Buddha. What I said yes. was it's significant, and there are people treating it no, as right. it's like a marginal upgrade. No, 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 no. no it's not a marginal no, no, upgrade. You're, you're 100% right. You're, that's what I'm saying. It's like saying water is wet. You're 100 right. And I'll give you this much with Rogers. I, you know, some of the antics that he did, I found annoying and everything like that. You know, he was being the nickname for Richard last year because he didn't get what he wanted there. He didn't bond with those receivers. You know, he wanted to smoke Sherman Hemsley and lock himself in the closet. All those different things. I found a little annoying, a little childish. And he's an attention seeker, which always kind of annoys me. I, I, guys like that annoy me. But. What his performance was last year, I don't expect it to be the same. He was banged up. You know what I mean? His mind was in the right place. I say this year, he'll give you between, I say, 32, 35 touchdowns, and he won't have double-digit interceptions. I, I think you could book that if he stays healthy. I'm going all positive first before I get into the other stuff yet. Now, the defense to me is very good. People were saying it was great last year. I I, I, I beg to differ. I, I say it was very good. And they've added a piece or two here that should at least keep it on the level it is. They got to make sure they sign Quinn and Williams. Which they will. Solid did say last week that it's going to happen. So you, you figure it will. They're not going to have to. Yeah. They have to. So, you know, right there, that's something to be excited about. Reese Hall, I'm sorry, I'm not banking on that. Most guys who have that injury, it takes them two years to get back fully. I'm with you there, so, Buddha. I'm you know, with you there on that, which I, is why I, I, I think. Mind if they got Dalvin Cook. I, I was just gonna I say. Mind if they got I Cook. was just gonna say. I'm with you on that. I think we do have to pump the brakes on the Brees Hall hype train, just because. I mean, we saw it cross town with the Giants with Saquon. 
You get hurt. It's going to take you some time to get back. And I, the worst case scenario would be him coming back and getting re-injured like Saquon did. So pump the brakes on, you know, Brees Hall, what we saw last year. That's why I would like a little bit of insurance. You go out and get Dalvin Cook, who I believe is four straight years of 1,000 yards rushing. So I would like that move as well. And, and he also can catch the ball out of the backfield. Correct. Which is very important, especially in the West Coast offense. So, you know, those are the things that I find as – Undeniable positives. You know, the quarterback play is going to be, like you said, significantly better, even if Rodgers has a down year to him. The only thing concerning me with him was not just the injuries, but the interceptions. You know, sometimes when you get older as a quarterback, that throw or that thing that you saw was there, you got to adjust your game. And he might be at that point where that happens. But let's enter the danger zone, the Xander zone with the Jets. Now, you're going through the division, right? And we're looking at the teams that the Jets are in the division. Mm-hmm. If, I was, if, if I'm going to ask you, and I want you to really be honest about this, not what he can be, what he, he, he projects to be or whatever. Who has the worst coach in the division from uh, what you've seen? Uh, so Mike McDaniel, you've got McDermott, and you've got Belichick. I would say the Jets, of course. Right. So that is a warning sign right there. Who has the worst offensive line play, not just in terms of underperforming, injuries? Right. So there are your trouble zones for a team. Because when you look at a playoff team, I don't care which playoff team you look at. There's playoff teams like that they've had like a hole or two here or there on the offensive line. But the coaching and the quarterback pairing is really what the NFL is based on. And what concerns me is, and I didn't want to believe this. Oh, we lost him. Some of the most fun times that we had, we were those back-to-back championship innings. But the way that the game has changed now, the rule changes, everything, your coach and quarterback have to be simpatico. So in actuality, Aaron Rodgers is really running the team. He's sort of the, the de facto GM to a certain extent, you know, and he's also... Him and Hackett are going to run the offense. Buddha, Robert Buddha, I'm losing you, Buddha. You got to get to a better. You got to get to a better place. I'm losing you, but continue. Go ahead. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that what happens is the quarterback and the coach, the head coach, the teams that go on to win big, the quarterback and the head coach. Usually, the head coach at this point now is an offensive guy. Yeah. And see, with Salah, is it Salah is walking a a very thin rope right now because what happens is you got Hackett in here Hackett and Rogers they have a relationship Mm -hmm. they're going to run that offense they're going to do what they need to do so they're not going to really get the blame for if our play you know play calling is going to be sent in by Hackett but the managing of what to do saying I want to run the football here saying I want to pass here saying I want this packaging Sal is not going to have any impact on that now, that could be a good thing because yeah, I think, game management... I think that can be a good that. thing. I, I think that can be a good a good thing, and I, I appreciate the call. I'm up against the clock. I, I, I can't even argue with you. I, I, I was so ready to go guns blazing because, Buddha, you know, I love you, brother, but we, we, we used to go at it when it comes to the Jets, even though we're both fans of this team. We, we look at them a little bit differently. I can't argue with the question marks that are glaring. The offensive line. 
because of the injuries, you've got Makai Becton, who he he's an injury waiting to happen. You're hoping he has a big year, and you've moved his position. He's all, all you know already had some questionable quotes blaming the team from uh, for the fact that he got hurt. Dwayne Brown's no spring chicken, so he's coming back. You've drafted some some offensive line, so you're hoping that you can plug and play if need be. That's a legitimate. That's a legitimate question mark. What I will say is that the upgraded quarterback naturally gives you a boost in the offensive line because you have a guy in Rodgers who can make quicker reads and is better at sound. You know, he's he's more equipped to make those sound decisions when the pocket breaks down and he's not going to panic as opposed to what you had last year. And now Rodgers isn't as mobile as you know what he was when he, you know he was in the prime. But I think simply having him as an upgrade means that your offensive line is better just because of what he can do at the quarterback position. But you're right. There's a reason to be concerned. And with Salah, there were times I watched him last year, and I'm thinking, man, I am so critical of coaches when it comes to clock management, especially in the fourth quarter, misusing timeouts and all of that that gets involved there. But it's a lot of pressure on him this year. We can't argue. He has a, a tremendous amount of pressure going into this season because if they don't make the playoffs, there's no way he can survive that. And I think, to your point, because he's not going to be involved on the offensive side of the ball, which is not his his strong suit, he's a defensive-minded head coach, so we want him to focus on the defense, a defense that was pretty good last year. But because he's relinquishing those responsibilities – and handing it off to Hackett, I think he'll be fine. But the buck stops with the head coach, and if the offense begins to spiral, we're going to say, remember Rodgers and Hackett won back-to-back MVPs? What changed? What's the difference? And that ultimately comes back to the head coach. 800-919-3776. Continue to take your jet phone calls. Uh, we'll get into some more of the baseball as well. We're on until 6 o'clock, handing the baton over to pregame coverage of Sunday Night Baseball with the Yankees and the Red Sox at the stadium. So hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to you when we return right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. We're going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. We're talking about the Jets. I, I just get, I guess, annoyed, frustrated when I hear people talk about the, the, the upgrade at quarterback as if, it wasn't all that significant. I don't. I understand. It, look, if you don't want to pick them to win the Super Bowl, I'm not saying that you should. I'm not saying they should be the favorites. Uh, the the Chiefs and the Bengals to me are clearly in that tier one of the AFC, and I think the Jets are in the next tier. And there's a lot they have to prove because the head coach, we don't know that he's a really good head coach. We don't know much about him. What we do know is that in his first season, he had the worst defense in football as a defensive guru. And then last year, he improved with his defense, but they did finish the season losing six games in a row. Now, I don't know how much we put on the fact that they had, they had the worst quarterback situation in the NFL on him, but he's got a lot to prove in year three. And Rodgers, I mentioned this earlier in the show, 
he's got a ton to prove because we were we were talking about Jokic and you know Jokic winning the regular season MVPs has to capture that elusive championship because it's a standard we hold every great player in NBA history to, and one that we hold quarterbacks to. And I, and I said for Rodgers, he has the one in 2010 when they beat the Steelers, but since then, they've been shooting blanks in the playoffs. And it, it, some of them, I, I think it's it's been overblown how much it has been on him. Like 2014, they lost to Seattle on an onside kick. 2015, their defense got gashed in an overtime game where he never touched the ball, and he had two Hail Marys that he, he completed for, to get them to overtime. Uh, you know, the Falcons lost in 2016. I mean, what were they supposed to do there? But loss at home against Tampa Bay, the loss at home against the Niners, that falls on him. So it, it, it does present him with an opportunity to come here for an organization that has experienced little to no success, you know, in the last two decades. Yes, they went to back-to-back AFC championship games, but outside of that, you know, this is a team that customarily is just sitting on postseason DMPs. He has to be motivated because of the noise surrounding him and his legacy, and it's a, it's a breath of fresh air coming to a new team and, and to a new environment. And you hear the players and the coaches all raving about him. So I'm, as a Jet fan, hoping that that translates into winning. But we have to see. Came across this. The Jets, not only in the longest playoff drought in the four major sports, but they're also tied for the third longest drought without winning the division. The Browns, 33 years, having won a division. Lions, that might end this year, 29 years since they won that division. And the Raiders and the Jets have gone two decades without winning their respective division. So it starts there. Hopefully you can win this division and, and put position yourself to where you've got a high seed so you don't have to go through all of the teams that we mentioned, the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Chargers and the Bills, having to go through all of these teams to achieve your ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. 800-919-3776. We wrap up your phone calls uh, as we head to a 6 o'clock where Sunday Night Baseball is going to happen. Pre-game show. First pitch set for 7 on 5 between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So we'll uh, pass the baton over to them when we get back right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We did NBA talk about the finals game 5 tomorrow night. A game you can hear right here on right, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Nuggets, Heat, Denver looking for... Uh, it's first championship in franchise history. Nikola Jokic looking to etch his name amongst the all-time greats. I gave you the list earlier of guys who have won two regular season MVPs and a finals MVP. That's MJ, LeBron, Steph, Magic, Kareem, Giannis, Bird, Duncan, Moses, and Wilt. Jokic tomorrow with the victory would become just the 11th player in NBA history to do that. Talked also about... Uh, my issue I had, uh, I was texting Gordon listening to his show yesterday where he said if Joel Embiid becomes available, he has no interest in, in the Knicks trading for him, which I thought was was crazy. Just won the MVP last year, clearly becomes your best player, and in crunch time, even if you don't trust him, that's why you have Brunson, uh, Brunson there who can orchestrate things and who, he can, who can be your leader late in games. So Brunson and Bead, now we're cooking with something. Now you are a legitimate contender in the East. So I thought it was nuts for, for Gordon to say that. And we were texting about it, and he, he had his reasons, the injury con- concerns, you know, the lack of 
postseason uh, success, the failures are on him. Embiid, I believe, is the only MVP in the history of the league to not get past the second round, to not even make a conference finals. So he has to wear that. He has to wear that. But uh, we talked basketball, did some baseball, the, the Mets being just an utter disaster and an embarrassment. And Steve Cohen spoke to Joel Sherman. It doesn't look like any major changes are coming to the GM or to the manager. So they're going to have to roll with the punches and figure this thing out. I don't know that there's any moves to be made right now just because with the expansion of the playoffs, it's hard to to see what the market is because so many teams still feel like they're in it. And you you talk yourself into, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's, once you get in, it's a crapshoot. So even if we're a third wild card, once we get in, anything can happen. So right now, just looking at what the picture is of, of the trade market is hard to do. So the Mets are just going to have to figure this thing out internally. Hope you get Alonzo back. Hope your your expensive you know, pitchers with Scherzer and Verlander, they figure things out. And then Kodai Sengel, who pitched well in Pittsburgh yesterday on the road, uh, that can be hopefully for them a sign of things to come. But I think they're done. This is not a team that you know, last year they weren't a contender when they got bounced in the first round and won one playoff game. They're not a contender now, and I don't see that changing. Let's go to Manhattan or stay in Manhattan, I should say. We talked to Richard. What's up, Richard? Hi, I got to talk about these two Serbian guys what I've seen these guys do in the last four or five days, it's unbelievable. First of all, Djokovic, the tennis player. Yes, sir. 36 years old. He's playing a kid 20 years old. And the 20-year-old kid cramps up and he can't finish the match. So this bodes well for anybody who thinks that Aaron Rodgers is too old to play quarterback. <laughs> this guy Djokovic is 36. He's playing a 20-year-old kid. Mm. So anytime I hear how old the guy is, don't think about it. And Djokovic, 36, he's still going strong. He is in unbelievable shape. It's unbelievable what he did. Now, Djokovic, what this guy did in his second playoff game in the finals, 30 points, 20 rebounds. I'm just going to give you a few names. Guys who played many more finals games never did it. Kobe, Kareem, LeBron, KD, Michael, Dr. J, Willis, Hakeem, Oscar, Charles, Moses, Carl, Dwayne, Elvin, all of those guys played in many more finals, games. Oh, also another guy I forgot, Larry, all of those guys, and Magic, Larry, and Magic, 14 guys I mentioned. None of them did what Jokic did in his second game. Unbelievable what this guy Jokic did. And the other night, Denver Hit five three pointers and, and won the one. game by fifteen. Yeah, not, so not just that they hit God, five three pointers. I want not you just to get that. your guys in the ESPN re, uh, research group and <laughs> see when an NBA team hit five three pointers throughout the game and still won the game by fifteen points. Yeah, that's how good they're playing, Richard. They're not just that though. It's also Miami turned the ball over. I believe it was twice all game. So to to have just two turnovers and to give up just five threes and still lose a game convincingly, yeah, convincingly by by fifteen points was was devastating.
Ty, I love watching stuff that I've never seen before. And what this Denver team is doing, I mean, it's unbelievable. These guys all play with love, and the way they play the game, it's, it's refreshing to watch. Not that Miami doesn't, but I think Miami is hurting because of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy's hurt. So when you say that uh, – He'll take a hit because they don't get it No, I was get being facetious. But his ankle is I, I He's not the same. Listen, Richard, Plus I got to run. I got to run, Richard. I appreciate it. I was being facetious with the whole his legacy taking a hit. I I did that to set up the whole the, the LeBron angle of it, which is he's the only one who truly gets criticized for finals losses. But on Jokic and the Nuggets, I think they'll win tomorrow, which means they'll be 16-4 and four in the playoffs. One loss was overtime in the first round against the Wolves, had two losses to the Suns, and then they lost game two after they led by eight in the fourth quarter. I, I think this, the Nuggets get it done. Jokic is going to get his MVP, and boys are going to lead to a fun offseason. Ty Butler signing off. Enjoy Yankees-Red Sox right here on 98.7 ESPN. It's constantly flowing. The brain is always in motion. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.